0: What is up, fellow thermonuclear a efforts? I am Dan Valley coming at you with Bleacher Reports and Hardwood Knox's, Grant Hughes. We are back with more off-season report cards, this time for the Southwest Division. Before we cannonball into them, though, we have to ask. We need to ask. Grant, how are you doing since the five minutes ago that we last just spoke?
1: I'm really terrible. I just had an awful conversation for an hour. Uh, the host <laughs> was a dick, and I don't want to bore you with it. But it just—I really feel like a lesser person. No, I feel great. I'm excited. Uh, we are doing a new division, uh, and I'm excited to hear you go in on uh, at least one, two of these teams. So that—that's—that's that's got my day looking really good right now.
0: Yes, and before we go there, as a brief reminder, we laid it out on the uh, Central Division podcast the full criteria but a C is passing here. So that's not an insult. And even like a C minus, those are passing. So if you see C's like, we're not being overly critical. And as Grant and I've mentioned time and time again, we are grading teams relative to the tools that were at their disposal and what they they could have done. With that said, though, let's get to the offseason vitals of the Dallas Mavericks to kick off the Southwest division. Notable moves. They acquired Christian Wood for Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, Boban Marjanovic, and the number 26 pick, which turned into Wendell Moore Jr. They signed Theo Pinson to a one-year deal. They signed Jaden Hardy, the number 37 pick, to a three-year $4.8 million deal that was part of their mini-MLE. They used the rest of the mini-MLE on JaVale McGee for a three-year, uh, I have this as a $4.8 million deal in my notes, that is clearly wrong. Uh, A three-year, oh, my God, $19 million deal with a 2024-2025 player option. And they also signed Tyler Dorsey to a two-way contract. Notable exits, and I would say this is a pretty damn big notable exit. Uh, Jalen Brunton left for the Knicks on a four-year, $104 million contract. Grant, what grade did you give the Dallas Mavericks for their offseason. And wait, I need to correct myself again. It was a three year, $17.2 million contract for JaVal McGee. If anyone doesn't believe me, there's a Google doc with 1200 words in it. that I sent to grant and I have JaVale McGee listed as three years and 4.8 million. Please explain that one for
1: me, Grant. That would be a pretty good deal. My grade would be higher. I think uh, <laughs> only marginally. So uh, I gave Dallas a C minus, uh, which is going to seem high based on consensus and based on what I know about you. Uh, I'll start with so I'll start with the good the good is I think the Christian Wood trade makes sense I think it there it feels like the kind of move that you're getting a very talented player that has mostly been on bad teams who I think probably has a has had no small part in building a reputation as a guy that's kind of out for his numbers and maybe is not super helpful to a winner I think playing in Dallas is really the first chance he's going to have with a few years under his belt to, to really like matter. And so I think there's a scenario, maybe it's just being optimistic. There's a scenario where he really helps them. Like he becomes a second option. That's like at least as good as Brunson potentially like a guy that just really scores. It really stretches the defense really matters. Uh, takes the load off of Luca, which has been the issue forever there in kind of a different way than getting like a, a true point guard or whatever. So I think there's upside there, and I think the price was totally reasonable to pay to get a player as talented as him. Maybe he kills their defense. Maybe it doesn't work. I just like I like the gamble. So that's the good. The bad is kind of everything else, except another reason that the C- is in there for me and not something worse is I don't feel like I have a handle yet on what exactly the circumstances were of Brunson's free agency. Now, you can certainly penalize the maps for the low ball the, the extension stuff earlier not getting it done sooner maybe pissing him off but at the same time you know they had it, they had the opportunity to offer the fifth year and more money i guess that didn't happen i don't know if they got a real shot to make that offer i heard reports either way uh, i think i think if that were the situation if they just decided that we're not going over 104 million or whatever over any number of years then that's a mistake and their grade needs to be in the D range. I just don't know that to be true. Maybe you can correct me. I don't know if you know that either. Uh, But so it's a C minus now because I think losing Brunson hurts. If they lost him for the worst kind of reasons, which is just cheapness or whatever, that's bad. But I do think it's, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think has played a bigger role in the past. He was actually pretty good, really good for stretches for Dallas last year. Except when I matter
0: most, but please continue. (laughs)
1: the the loss of Brunson uh, can sort of be backfilled, especially if Wood works, you know, better than most think, or as well as maybe I think is possible. Um, Just to sort of canvas the whole rest of the thing. The McGee signing, I just, he's not going to close games. I don't, I feel like,
0: well,
1: yeah, he'll be the ceremonial starter. That's, that's fine. I just, I just feel like that was a reaction to, man, we really can't defend the rim against the warriors in the conference semi or conference. What was it, conference finals? I can't even remember now. This was so long ago. Conference finals. So they had stretches where with Klebo as the lone big, like it just didn't work. And they're like, let's get a tall range. guy to block shots. Like he's not going to be on the court at the end of games. So you kind of just, I don't know, maybe you want to preserve Klebo during the year because he tends to break down, but like Mickey doesn't make sense on this team, especially with wood on the roster. So, um, it's a C minus for me. Knowing the particulars of the Brunson situation could move that uh, down substantially.
0: Let, so let me get to what I liked about Dallas's off season, and we're done. Uh No, I, I like the Christian Wood trade overall. I think people are too low on him, and I think we'll probably see him play better defense on a team that matters. Yep. I also i th- I like the Jaden Hardy pick. I don't the people. I, and the contract, if he pans out, that's going to look really good for the Mavericks. And then you're going to get mad at Jaden Hardy's agent. Like that's how this whole thing works. I just, the people that think he's going to play like a role as a ball handler in year one, that's a, if, if that needs to happen, first of all, trade Franklin, Neil Aquino to a team. that will actually use him. then. But in all actuality, it's just, that's not a situation that you want to be in. Uh, so I like both the Jaden Hardy pick seems like a good one. And the Christian Wood trade. Uh, I actually was supportive of that. I don't like the idea of him and JaVale McGee starting together. But one, that can change. And two, as you noted, like that's something that could be ceremonial and that you just stagger moving forward. Uh, I hate the Javal McGee contract. I would have preferred, like, just like, why not Hassan Whiteside at the minimum? Drummond. Honestly, why, why not, not Drummond at his number? What's that?
1: Why not Drummond at his number?
0: Drummond at his number. Uh, DeAndre Jordan definitely. Not. Why not Dwayne Dedman, even at the number sure. you gave to Javal McGee? So I hated that. And then a player option entering his age 37 season? What? And yeah. this is someone mentioned this. I can't remember who it was. I is was this a circumstance where this deal was already done and then they didn't know they were going to have be able to get Christian Wood for the you know the song that they acquired him for and that's still ding them for like you can't even tamper correctly. <laughs> in yeah, that that doesn't make it better. No, it <laughs> doesn't. Course. So there's I, I didn't I don't love the structure if it was even if it was a two like a team option, like I just I'd feel a little bit better about that. I also just don't love the player fit because now you have wood. And Dwight Powell. uh, And you also have Maxi Kleba. So, And it's also just like every minute that you're playing with two bigs, like where Kleba's your four, Dorian Finney-Smith is not your four. And I think he unlocks – you unlock some of your best lineups where Finney-Smith and Bullock are on the court at the same time. Uh, But the big one here for me is the Jalen Brunson signing. So we know, per Mark Stein, that the Mavericks could have had him on that four-year $55.6 million extension twice. He was willing to sign it Twice. They elected to keep their flexibility open for trades, which to me was always stupid because a player who is entering free agency who also isn't making a shit ton of money isn't going to help you a lot in trades because teams have to, one, factor in that they're going to pay him, and then two, he doesn't even work as like a salary matching tool because he was so cheap. He would have been inextricably more valuable on his next deal leading into or during next season. And the other thing was just that if you thought that was an overpay, did you not consider what the the is going to happen to the cap climate as we're moving forward? And you were uncomfortable with paying Jalen Brunson an average annual value of what that would have been like 17 million a year at four years and 55 that's terrible math. Uh, was that 14 million a year? Let's say, but you were totally comfortable giving Javal McGee like six. What no, that, that like. Explain that to me. The other thing, and I I think it's fair to ding them for that, even though the extension talks didn't happen over the offseason. And there were reports, and by reports, we know that Mark Cuban said that Dallas didn't really have a chance to present their deal to Brunson. Well, the reports were also that they were willing to go five years, $110 million. So they were basically willing to give Jalen Brunson about as much as over five as the Knicks gave him over four. Yeah. And you're a team that can justify paying more because you have Luka Doncic already. And Brunton was really good. And when you look at this exact contract he signed, I don't think the Knicks should have signed him. But I think that's more about their organizational direction, the fit of the players around him, what I think is going to be their inability to create enough space so that he is as lethal inside the arc. But you could have paid him. And he is also, as of right now, projects as the 15th highest paid point guard in the league last year. I know you have uh next year. I know you have Luka Doncic. You were good enough having just made a conference finals appearance. That was not a fluke. This was not the Blazers making the conference finals because of all those injuries. Yes, the Clippers weren't involved. The Nuggets weren't healthy. But you beat the fucking Suns and you embarrassed them in game 7 to not even have an offer that would have come close or I don't want to say close, but like relatively respectable offer in comparison to what the Knicks were prepared to give him. Why did you value this player so lowly? and you have Luka Doncic what is just what is the plan here to get better you do, you like you don't have any blue chip prospects to trade at this point this to me was an instance of you sign Jalen Brunson and then if you want to move him figure that out later because his number where he would have been the you know he's the 14th highest paid point guard excuse me if he was like the around that number as well for Dallas, like you would have been able to move him eventually if you needed to. So I think that they deserve to be absolutely crucified for the way that they handled Jalen Brunson from the middle of the year, right on through this situation. And if they didn't get a chance to present their deal, I guess that's like a feather in their cap. But what does that say that your own player who enjoyed the best basketball of his career this past season en route to the conference finals wouldn't even give you the time of day to present your deal. It says too much about how you handled him in the past or about what your offer was going to be. So I, I think it's fair. I said I like the John the Jalen uh, the, the Christian Wood trade. Excuse me. That's like really the only bright spot for me of them this off season.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm not going to penalize them. Obviously, not signing him for four or fifty five is asinine. Like that's a huge mistake. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna penalize them for that because it's not technically the off season maybe and which is kind of like disingenuous because like obviously it affected how he felt about You're such the a lawyer in the off season i'm just saying <laughs> but i letter so, up the rule <laughs> if it right i'm just i'm just a rule follower i'm just trying to follow some rules if, if Dallas had the ability to go five for what could, what was the most, could they have gone like one twenty like something five, yeah. five, one 30 maxed
0: him out if they wanted to, I'm not saying like that was the so right. If decision. they had the
1: ability to pay him, cause he's getting what? 26 a year now. So the next
0: front loaded it, but yeah, his average is out yeah. to about $26 million a year.
1: Average annual value of 26. If like, if the maps had the ability to do five years at 29 per, just averaging it all out or even 30, like, I think it is a huge horrible mistake and they deserve to have their grade for me, lowered down probably to where you're at, which I don't know. Did you say what you gave them? I
0: gave them a D minus.
1: D minus I don't know okay. if I said
0: what I gave them. I gave them, the, I gave them as a D minus.
1: It was implied based on just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, so I w- I could get that low. I just still feel like it was just done. The whole next thing was just done. And it may have been done the second that they didn't extend him earlier. Uh, but I just, I just don't, I don't know. I, there's too many, even though I know you laid it out. Um, I, I, I feel like if if it's the case that they could have given him five for, you know, 29 million a year. um, I don't know.
0: So what is your like reticence that, they couldn't have their His max salary was like 37 and a half million, right? 25% of the one-fifty cap. So I just
1: feel like there's, well, I don't think they would have gone that high. I just, I feel like there's just a bunch of bullshit on both sides. And I feel like the CAA and Nick stuff makes it, makes it plausible that the four one Oh four has been done for a long time. And they hired
0: his dad. I know he's a res- Rick Brunson. I know he's like worked in the league a bunch of times, especially under Tom Thibodeau before, but right. Th- first of all, the audacity to not wait, to hire him until like, <laughs> like after this is all over, it's just right. mind
1: melting. Yeah. No, I, I I'm sticking with my number. Uh, Cause I, I have a sense that anything the Mavs could have done, it was like too late once the off season hit. And I guess just because I'm just going to follow the rule that I don't then, know why,
0: then why not win the press conference by saying, by throwing if it was done by going five, just even including the fifth year at the same average annual value. So five years and 130 million. Right.
1: Yeah. It's, it's almost, it's like unforgivable. If that was a real option and that could have, and he wasn't just, I'm already gone. I don't care what you offer.
0: It it Um, doesn't even, yeah. Like I, so they didn't even like win the.
1: They won nothing.
0: Yeah. They (laughs) They won, won. they won no aspect of this. Right.
1: Right. Agree. (laughs)
0: That moves us to the Houston Rockets. Uh, their notable moves include they drafted Jabari Smith Jr. at number three. They, dra- they drafted Tyree Eason at number 17. They traded Christian Wood to the Mavericks for Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, Boban Marjanovic, and the number 26 pick, which became Wendell Moore Jr. They also created a $3.9 million traded player exception as part of that. Grant, fun fact. Did you know that as of right now, unless I'm completely wrong, which is possible, there is not a traded player exception in the league worth $10 million or more at the moment. Wow, right?
1: Amazing. Um,
0: what are i don't you to know make up about that.
1: trades with all year,
0: exactly. So, they also the Rockets. Sorry for that de- little detour. They acquired Ty Ty Washington, the number 29 pick, minis 2025 and 2027 seconds, both unprotected for the number 27 pick, which was Wendell Moore Jr., that they had gotten in the Mavericks trade. They signed Jay Sean Tate to a three-year $22.1 million deal with a team option on the final season. They did that after declining his initial team option. They agreed to a buyout with John Wall. He gave back $6.5 million. They re-signed Bruno Fernando to an Exhibit 10 deal, and they signed Trevor Hudgens to a two-way contract. Their notable exits include uh, Trevlin, MVP of the Jalen Brunson League, Queen. He signed a two-year deal with the Sixers. And then Dennis Schroeder, as of this recording, remains unsigned. What did you give... The Rockets and I bet the thing that I'm gonna harp on is the move that you cannot guess that I'm gonna harp on.
1: Oh, I, I now I'm intrigued. Um, I gave the Rockets an A. Uh, this is one of my only flat A's, and just working big to small again, you could talk me into an A minus. Um, so <laughs> working big to small, I think their draft. Like again, there's some some component of luck. I think I think Smith was just the right guy for them had they been at in, in, sort of anywhere in the top five, just like, I think he's the fit. So I like that. I like Eason and Washington. I think both of those guys make sense. Eason, especially, I think is pretty interesting getting the first for wood, getting the wall buyout. Like that's just, I just love a little about me. I'm a big fan of just like getting rid of stuff. Like, so I'll go out <laughs> in my garage and just like therapeutically, it's like this has got to go and it doesn't even matter like I might use, I might need it in 6 months I just want it gone cuz I feel like it complicates my life I don't want a bunch of stuff and moving on from John Walls like you have cleaned the garage out like cuz I'm still there but there's still time to trade him uh you've just removed like this this thing that doesn't fit that that's got to go eventually you've done it it sucks you got to buy him out whatever and then the Jayson deal. I think that's I think everyone's comparing it to to the contract that Lou Dort got not fair But just like if the sticker shock of being like total value worth a quarter of what Dort is getting is very appealing to me and for a sort of similar player. Um, So just in terms of draft, like it. Uh, Free agency, I don't know, you know, didn't really do anything, but getting rid of John Wall kind of counts. Trades, like the Wood trade. Signings, like the Tate signing. So just like as I go down the list, there's not really anything – other than not getting something great for Eric Gordon, which they can do at the deadline or whatever. um, I just kind of like everything they did. Um, There aren't necessarily any home runs here unless you're really big on Smith, Um, but everything just kind of worked. And based on the assets they had, the flexibility they had, the flexibility they created, um, I think they did about as well as they could realistically do. And I would love to hear what this move is that you hate so much.
0: No, no, love.
1: Oh, love so much. Great. Let's hear it.
0: So the only thing I really didn't like about their offseason was there's just like a lack of a pure, properly sized wing. Terry Eason is it, I would say. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, a little smaller at 6'4". I know he can guard up, but I'm talking more of like the 3 and D caliber. Eason is like, is he their only option there? I mean, do you Jalen Green, not a wing. Josh Christopher, not really a wing. I guess Eric Gordon qualifies. They still have Sterling Brown and David Nawaba, but I would have liked to have seen them sort of reallocate some of their... Like they have these, you know, they're like combo forwards or bigs where you're looking at a KJ Martin, uh, and then like they just make the signing of Willie Cauley Stein was weird, where it's like, well, no, why? Not? I'd rather you take a flyer on Utah Watanabe at this point, something along those lines. So I dung
1: them a little for that. This is all to say, I gave them an A minus. Okay, good. I was thought you're getting way down there. It's like, who cares if they don't have a wing? This team's trying to win like 14 games this year. Well still
0: like just balance to the roster a little bit. Uh as it is though like they're going to have a hard time carving out playing time for all these guys. KJ Martin already requested a trade. Yeah. So
1: wild. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, KJ got already... have some real. I I envy the level of self-confidence that he has to ask for a trade off the team
0: this. Well, bet. my spicy take would be like if I were the Heat, I would trade my first round pick this year for him.
1: Oh, interesting. That's, yeah. uh, do you think that's what his value is around the league? Or are you just like, hey. no, not even, not,
0: not even, I think he probably would have been traded already if that was his value <laughs> yeah, uh, around you. the league. Also, one of the things that the Christian Wood trade, I wasn't super impressed with the value and people took that to mean, well, you didn't watch Christian Wood play this season. And I was like, no, I just thought that they were going to be able to get like a little bit more than a bottom five first for him. I think the untold value in that is just, you open up a ton of minutes in your front court, right. Alper and Shangoon, Jabari Smith, Jr., Uh, Usman Garuba should hopefully get some run this year. I also think I came away from summer league lower than I was on Jabari Smith's offense and way higher on his defense.
1: That's the thing. He's not the kind of player he was necessarily billed as. And I mean, the defense was part of the package, but I think that's his path to like mattering as a rookie is defensively first. I was asked for one of
0: the mailbags that uh, we did. I don't know at this point, like a month ago to give the hyperbolic like player comparison. And so I did hybrid melds. And I said Jabari Smith Jr.'s apex reminds me of, like, if Kevin Garnett had sex with Chris Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that outcome. The spawn. Why, of does it G- have to,
1: why do you have to get to your hybrid that way? Like, can't we just do it in a lab or something? Like, <laughs> Okay,
0: the spawn of, like, crossing the DNA sure. of Kevin Garnett and Chris Middleton.
1: That sounds like a pretty good player.
0: He, he'll, I feel like he'll turn out all right. Yeah, he might be uh, good. I think there were a couple of that were mad. I used Chris Middleton instead of Kevin Durant, but what do you do? Uh, <laughs> right. So the move that I loved, cause I don't really have anything to add to what you said. Other than I think this was just a, I like Eason. I even like Ty Ty Washington. Mm-hmm. I think if they're willing to, um, not invest so much equity and I'm not as high on Kevin Porter jr. As everybody, I'd like to see what Ty Ty Washington could do in some of the floor general minutes, uh, or even as a, the microwave guy off the bench, but not as the microwave guy, more as the Tyus Jones of the bench than the Kevin yeah. Porter jr. Uh, could we, like they, when you look at that deal they made with the Timberwolves, and I triple checked this, so unless I still have something wrong, you traded number twenty six for twenty nine, and then two Minnesota seconds that are unprotected in twenty five and twenty seven. When we're not even sure that Minnesota is going to be really good, what a trade! I'm yeah. sorry, that was an incredible trade by by the Rockets. Like I think Ty Ty Washington, yeah, he's small, but he plays so much bigger to me on the defensive end. I was like going through the details of that trade, I was just in awe. And so I liked pretty much everything about their off season. I would have liked to have seen like more of a wing emphasis where it's not, who is the best pure wing on this team. Yeah. I don't like, I, it's probably Eason. I probably want someone a little bit more veteran than that. Who's not Eric Gordon. Who's bigger than Eric Gordon. Who's bigger than Jay Sean Tate. Who's not Sterling Brown. Who's not David Nawaba. It's just, it's just, it's too hodgepodge is all, but I gave them an a minus.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, really, worst case on that, I, I love that you got so deep in the weeds, you're praising a trade that brought back two seconds. But at worst, that's two free seconds. Because the difference between 26 and 29 is just like, I mean, who cares, right? Like, it just doesn't make, there's there's nothing. You're getting, maybe those picks are in the 50s, if, if, if everything works, but maybe they're in the 30s. Like, who
0: I thought it know? was a, like, a really good, uh, probably at the time it looked better because the Gobert trade had not happened at yeah. that point, I believe, right? That happened post-draft. Yes, it happened right before. Yeah, it happened in July. What, what is mm-hmm. time anyway? So, like, it probably looked a lot better. Yeah. But, like, just who's to say, the track record suggests that Minnesota might not be elite? And so, that 2027 second, we're talking mm-hmm. about an older Rudy Gobert, is that his that might be his free agent? Like, after his, he's a free agent in yep. four uh, years, he really picks up his player option. He will be a free agent in 26. So, it's the year uh, after that. So, I just thought that was just this small trade that was made a lot of sense. So, uh, A minus for me on the Rockets.
1: All right, that's what the people come for, that level of detail.
0: <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies' notable moves include they signed Tyus Jones to a two-year $29 million deal. They signed John Moran to a five-year uh, designated rookie extension, $192.9 million. It will be 30% of the cap if he makes All-NBA. Uh, that could escalate to then $231 million, I believe is the number we settled on. Yeah, $231 million uh, as of now with the cap projections. They acquired point guard Kennedy Chandler, number 38, from the Spurs for the Lakers' 2024 second-round pick and $1 million in cash. They then signed uh, they then signed uh, Kennedy Chandler to a two-year contract. They signed Coach Taylor Jenkins to a two-year contract extension. They acquired Jake LaRavia, the number 19 pick for Walker Kessler, the number 22 pick, and Ty Ty Washington, number 29. So they traded 22 and 29 for number 19. They acquired David Roddy, number 23, and Danny Green, um, from the Sixers for D'Anthony Melton, who had two years, $16.3 million left on his deal. They signed John Conchar to a three-year, $19.000 million extension, fully guaranteed. They drafted Vincent Williams Jr. at number 47, and then signed him to a two-way contract. And they signed Kenny Lofton to a two-way contract. Notable exits. Jared Culver remains unsigned. They waived Tyrell Terry. And Kyle Anderson signed with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Grant, what grade did you give the Memphis Grizzlies?
1: So I gave him a flat C. Um, and... I think a lot of that, again, going big to small, like there was, there was never really any doubt, but getting Morant locked down. Great. I think, and and normally you'd say, well, it's awesome because they, they did it a straight five. There's no player option. I'm pretty sure. I think you said that. Um, so like you've got your cornerstone of course, like there aren't a lot of guys, his age that are as accomplished as him that are scarier to be committed to long-term just because of the injury risk and what's already happened injury wise, uh, and style of play obviously contributing to that, but whatever. That's that's all hypothetical. Um, the other thing I really loved that they did was getting back. I, I feel like we spent a lot of this season talking about how, like, man, somebody is going to pay Tyus Jones because there just aren't any point guards. Like, you know, the Knicks are going to give him 20 million a year, or like what you know, the, just it seemed like there was a chance where he was going to be among the most sought after players, like full stop, and certainly among the most sought after point guards. So getting him back for two years at like reasonable money. Um, especially since like if last year's any indication, he's going to start a whole bunch of games for them. So uh, like that, that's, that works for me. Um, n- then to the stuff I'm not as much of a fan of um, losing Melton, I think hurts. And you sort of, I think, I assume when we get there, we're going to look at what the Sixers did in the off season and say like, God, they got Melton for what? Like he's going to maybe close games for them or at least be a for sure rotation guy. Um, so if you're going to think that way, you have to look at what the Grizzlies did in giving him up for Danny green, who I assume is not going to play for the vast majority of the season, if at all ever, I just, you know, and that 23 pick, I, you know, I don't know. That doesn't really do it for me losing Kyle Anderson for nothing reasonable minds could disagree on how useful he is, especially going forward. But now that Jaron Jackson is going to miss a bunch of time, maybe Kyle Anderson was going to matter a little more in your rotation. I don't know. Um, I, I just, it evens out for me. The thing that I, I think maybe some people will fault the Grizzlies for that. I don't necessarily, is we came into this off season with like, watch out. Cause Memphis has potential to do something with cap space and they're going to need to do it now. Cause Morant's big number will hit down the line and your cap space won't be there. You got all these picks they've got. They're just like, watch out for them as a big, and they just didn't, they didn't do anything consequential. Um, which I think looking at how far they advanced last year and the uncertainty surrounding Morant, like staying healthy, yeah, kind of might've been time to do something. If you're really aggressive minded about like, we got to jump through this window because it's open a crack and that might be all the wider it ever is open. Um, I'm still not going to penalize them because they, they just still have a ton of talent. Like I, I think it's okay to be a little more deliberate. It does suck to lose two guys that, you know, were helpful for a return that I didn't like a ton talking about Melton and Anderson. So it's just an average grade. It's kind of a cop out. Um, I am receptive to people being lower than that though.
0: Yeah. So I gave them a C minus. So I was right in lockstep with you. The, The bulk of this grade is because they signed John Moran to that extension and there's no player options. So that gives them the ultimate control over his future and, and their own really there then too. I did not like, and I like the Tyus Jones deal. Just it's a two year deal. If you think it's a slight overpay at almost $15 million a year, just whatever. That's the cap is going up, and he was incredibly, doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Um, if he's hitting enough of his threes and then just the defensive peskiness he gives you, there's just that's quality game managing from him. And just based off some of the time Morant has missed over the past few years, you're going to need to use him, which is also why I was kind of like, oh, you just gave the Anthony Melton away. I like, you could still fold Danny Green's salary into a different trade. Uh, He would help you if he was going to be healthy, but we don't know if he would be ready at all this season. And so I I think what makes me most uncomfortable about their off season, it's not even that they didn't take a big swing because who are they taking a big swing on? Who would you have liked them to sign in free agency? That's part of all this, but they are banking to me way too much. on not just internal development, but some of the new, like the, the new rookies making an impact right away. Like, I, I enjoy the idea of, oh, is, could David Roddy be like sort of this undersized big for them who's stretching the floor based off how many of his threes he hit during his final season at Colorado State? I mean, maybe, but he's also six five and he had shot under 20, uh, 28% from three through his first two seasons at Colorado State. Uh, his free throw percentage actually dipped below 70%. Uh, in his third season at Colorado State while he was hitting 43.8% of his threes. This is all sort of happening on not negligible volume, but it wasn't super high volume either. Uh, so are you banking on him and the Ravia to make these impacts right away? Or are you banking on, that Desmond Bain to be only as good as he was last year, even better. And then now I am became very high on Zaire Williams, but you've kind of decided with what you did this offseason that he's just ready to be. Yeah. And that's also... This is happening with Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably gonna miss some time to start the season based off the timeline for his return. And so to not diversify the front court rotation a little bit more, especially knowing, look, I know Steven Adams wasn't played off the floor the entire playoffs, but like knowing the issue it became against the Timberwolves, it probably would have made more it made more sense to me to go after someone who wasn't like just more diverse than Adams or Xavier Tillman or Brandon Clark. And knowing that Jaron Jackson Jr. is dealt with injuries now in in the past and is currently dealing with one. I I feel like I last season was not a flash in the pan. And I've also been lower on the Grizzlies for three years running than consensus. And they've just made me look like a fucking idiot each and every time. So maybe this will happen for a fourth year running, but they're not, I don't look at them and say, well, they're a team that's going to contend for the second best record in the NBA. Again, you have the Clippers who are going to be healthier. The nuggets should be healthier. The Pelicans should be healthier. The wolves got better. What if the Lakers just don't suck? Uh, Portland should be healthier and they have an interesting team. I see a scenario where Memphis is not guaranteed one of those top six spots in the West. I'm not even sure if we went through it right now off the cuff and I don't want to do it because I'll piss people off. I don't know that I would have them in my top six just yet. And I'm not saying that they should have been more aggressive then in trying to make a win now trade, but like something along the lines of getting rid of De'Anthony Melton, was that a hundred percent necessary or even safe? And could you also have done something like, uh, like I, it, it's very much hypocritical of me to say all this, and then not have names that are standing out, but like you couldn't have been the team that because you had your mid level, like couldn't have taken a look at Isaiah Hartenstein to diversify, diversify your front court rotation. I know you have a lot invested in Jaron Jackson jr. And Steven Adams Adams is entering an expiring contract. And if not that, like you're definitely a team that I think could have stepped on the toes of, some of these, you know, wing debates like why weren't you? I, I would have loved to have seen them attached to either of the Martin twins, uh, would have worked for them. They weren't even like they weren't linked to Otto Porter Jr. Might have maybe he's more four than wing, that's fine too. Uh, but, you know, like even wouldn't bringing back Kyle Anderson have made some sense, especially with this Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't space your floor, but he gives you some ball handling in the front court as well. I'm just not like I- I'm not on board with them being this trusting or having this much faith in their ability to, I guess, not even just develop, but like, it seems like have at least one of their rookies, primary rookies make an impact. I mean, even just like something like, why were not you even like, could not you combine youth and flyer and inexperience with some entrenchment? Like Amir coffee is just my example here. Mm-hmm. He signed a three year, $11 million deal with the Clippers, not terribly experienced, but just like having a secondary wing type guy that, you know, can already play rather than, Hedging so many of your, I guess, so much of your immediacy to like what are still bets because Desmond Bain is only in his third year. Zaire Williams is a sophomore. John Morant is really good, but how many games might John Morant miss and yet you still get rid of Melton? I think there's a chance this team could be just as good, if not a little better, and maybe they wind up winning fewer games. I just feel like the likelihood of them actually being better than they were last season, throw win loss record standing in the West out the window, I just feel like it's lower than it should be after going through this offseason.
1: I agree with that. I think there's a, there's two guys that I think a ton is riding on and, and it Williams, you mentioned, because um, even if, even if it does feel like they're pretty comfortable with him being ready, but like ready in this case means like, not just now, but like this is the guy that when, when Jackson is back and we're talking maybe even two, three years from now, like Bain and Williams like it's a conversation between who is like our third most important player assuming Jackson continue, is healthy and continues on, you know, some at some point marries like a high three point percentage with all the shot blocking and defense like he hasn't quite put that full season together. Um, I don't know if Williams is that good. I think it's a possibility. I don't think he's going to be better than like a solid starter this year, right? Like uh, that would be very impressive. Uh, and then Brandon Clark's the other guy. Cause now no Anderson Jackson's out. He's kind of the only guy that, I mean, I don't know, maybe Roddy is going to be that trustworthy, but like if Jackson is getting major minutes, like you're losing the stretch that Jackson gave you, at least in theory, like you're, you're, it's a hard combination with, with Steven Adams. And there are just, I think maybe there's gonna be a lot of minutes there. Maybe you play, maybe Clark plays a lot more center and they, I, I just, I don't know there's, so he's got a suddenly much more important role. And this is someone that like has never really felt like a core, like, you know, I think he's extension eligible and it doesn't seem like anything is in a rush to get done on that front. So those two guys, Williams and, and Clark are in like maybe a little more important roles than they ought to be. Um, so it, I, I don't know. I, 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 just think it might not even be their fault, but I, that, that, that the rest of the West got better, uh, it, but I agree that like, there's a scenario where Memphis is like a 50 win team uh, and they're fighting for, you know, the, the seventh spot or something like that, or, you know, the sixth spot, but also like the downsides are real because the
0: they, combustibility. Yeah, for sure.
1: Because think of like how they've handled Jackson injuries in the past. Like the torn meniscus kept them out for like longer than anyone's ever been out with a torn meniscus and just add that injury add this injury to the pile. Like that's the more you get, the worse it is. And what are the odds they win as many games they do as they did last year when Morant misses his 20 games or however many it is like, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do the 18 and two or whatever it ended up being at, at its high point uh, as good as Jones is. So yeah, the downside risk is, is very real and and moving uh, Melton does not mitigate that risk that exacerbates the risk because you're just thinner at a position that was already tough. So yeah, it's, I still go and see, uh, but But yeah, I I feel the C- for sure. I I can respect that.
0: The John Moran contract really saved them. And I do like the idea of Roddy and even LaRavia a little bit too. Just it feels like maybe one of them can't be brought along as slowly as maybe they they need to be. But this could be a flex by the Grizzlies. That works out. We'll have to see. The next team, this is a really easy team because they didn't do much. The New Orleans Pelicans – their notable moves include drafting Dyson Daniels at number eight. They drafted EJ Liddell at number 41. He did tear his ACL, though. Then they signed Zion Williamson to a five-year designated rookie extension. $192.9 million. It can be as much as $231 million if he makes an All-NBA team. Um, there are protections on a year-to-year basis. I have yet to see, hear, read about what the spe- specific like dollar amount protections are, but they're apparently is a clause in his contract that his weight and body fat percentage must total under 295. Uh, I don't know what, how often that's going to be checked. I don't know if there's an injury forgiveness there to where, is it realistic to expect him to keep his weight and body fat percentage down if he's injured and can't work out at full bore, but that is the, they signed Zion Williamson and he is uh, there's no player option in that either, by the way. So that's, that's huge for them. And then their only notable exit and I'll put exit in, air quotes is that uh Tony Snell remains unsigned at the moment. So Grant, what did you give uh, the Pelicans?
1: So this if I could give an incomplete I would. Um just cuz I want to know everything about the language in Zion's contract. Um I'm giving him a B and if you want to give if someone gave him a flat A cuz like hey, the biggest question mark hanging over this franchise which was is Zion going to stay? even though we've seen players ask out with years left on their contracts, that's a thing Um, you've got them under contract. So, so that's big. Like you've eliminated the big uncertainty, the big like speculation, the point of speculation that has been hanging around for like two years now. That's big. I don't have a strong opinion on Dyson Daniels yet. I think he's someone who, because uh, EJ Liddell's hurt, but Daniels is someone who I think could swing the grade like a full letter, depending on what you think about him. I like the idea of him. I just, you know, maybe, maybe he'll be the latest to, to get, get his shot fixed up. And then suddenly he's like a versatile defender who has great court sense and can move the ball and he's a wing and that's super valuable. Don't know yet. We'll see. Um, the, I guess I'd say if Williamson meets that two ninety five weight plus body fat percentage, like if, if he, cause that's like, I mean, I don't know what he was walking around at for even in his healthy year, but it, can't have been much less than like 285 i don't think um he's going to be pretty like he he's going to be a monster if if he meets that criteria which feels like a tough bar to meet for him um not knowing exactly what he weighed but just kind of eyeballing it um i think the upside's massive this could just be an a if zion is fully healthy and and meets all the criteria and is great cuz b would look ridiculous cuz they lock down a guy who suddenly is like maybe a top 10 player you know as soon as next year i don't know um, but I just don't know enough to go any higher than a B right now.
0: Yeah. You're a Debbie downer here, man. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I went a minus, so not terribly higher than yours. I think I'll start with the only thing that you could really quibble over. And I think I'm in the minority with this. I would have been more proactive in diversifying the front court around Zion already. I don't want to see Jackson Hayes, Jonas Valanciunas get a ton of minutes. And I don't think that they're going to trust the Larry Nance Jr. Zion Williamson lineups up front enough, uh, And I definitely don't think they're going to trust like Herb Jones, Trey Murphy's eye on line with maybe Ingram and McCollum go point guardless. I want to see them. I don't know how much of a staple they're going to be. I would have been more proactive addressing that Uh, at the same time. They didn't use their mid level. I don't know who they were going to spend it on. When you look at how deep this roster is right now, and even knowing like, Hey, they're going to get Kyra Lewis back. And I think Dyson Daniels should actually play. I'm in love with that pick, by the way, everything you mentioned, plus I'm going to cake in, his potential getting to work with Fred Vincent, where it's like, if you have Fred Vincent and chip England, like as your shooting coaches, one of those two, they could be a shot doctor. And so I think that he has the potential to hit more of his jumpers than he did while he was at school. And I liked the fact that they have Zion under team control for five years. And even if it's loosely protected, uh, sort of like the, the Joel Embiid contract where his career would have essentially needed to end for the, the Pelicans to be washed of his money. Like that doesn't really actually matter because even if you like what changes, if you take Zion Williamson off this team because of injuries, they suck. So you're not going to need the like the money anyway. And so I, if the fact that you just have him under team control for that long, we know what he is at his peak as a sophomore. That was an all NBA player. Like that was just yeah. the way he was playing. He was an all NBA player. Uh, so I think that's a home run for them. Like I said, and I think Dyson Daniels was the right pick. I was very intrigued by EJ Liddell. And I thought that, oh, is this like another sort of just value they found? This is a team for me that I've said it. And I don't think I'm getting ready to say some pretty recklessly optimistic things about the Pelicans. I think I've said them already. So I might just be a lot higher on them. It was just an A-minus for me. And I would have been more aggressive in, I'm not saying they needed to go out and get, miles turner but was there a way to just make different moves and like even if it was a chris boucher instead of having jackson hayes on this roster i'm not saying that exact player that scale of a move i think is going to better serve them to me long term than trying to get zion to work with either jackson hayes or jonas valanciunas and yes pelicans fans i know that jonas valanciunas takes threes i'm very much aware that that is a thing
1: yeah you can't bring up I wish they just had a little more stretch without or without that with oh no 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 the the greatest upfaker in the world uh currently does take what two three a game something like that I don't know um I think the the, my favorite offseason trade that I used a million times which in hindsight now seems ridiculous was like Jackson Hayes and Devontae Graham and eight to the Pistons for Jeremy Grant which would have blown away the offer that Piston's got for Grant ultimately, because I just like the idea of Jeremy Grant in the closing five on this team. Um, that that doesn't, that sort of moves the log jam or clears the log jam by getting rid of Hayes. But that turned out that would have been a significant uh, overpay, giving up eight. Um, I just, so back just on Zion real quick, because I do feel like an asshole for just looking at the downside of this. I think I'm anchored to the idea of I remember seeing him at Duke like before I think he'd already had one knee injury, but just and then athletically thinking like this guy is the greatest athlete like we've ever seen. This is like Lawrence Taylor. This is just like he's a different level. And then even before, you know, well, then he missed a chunk of his rookie year and coming back. It just never was there. And I just decided then that like with the weight issues and the conditioning issues and the injuries piling up, we've already seen like the best of this guy. Now, that looked real bad when he was putting up 27 on 61% shooting, uh, but then he got hurt again. And so I'm still anchored. I'm just the pessimistic side of this to me is like there is a legit world where two years from now the worst happens and we're thinking like, can you fucking believe they they gave a five-year deal to this guy? And now the protections could change that, but we just don't really know what the dollar amounts are. There's just a scenario where I can imagine us talking like, man, that was really one of the worst max contracts given out considering all of the time he's missed and the weight, the unique weight issues for a player, this athletic too. It's like, it's, it's just, there's a lot of uncertainty.
0: What makes this so different from the Joel and beat stuff then though?
1: Not, not a lot. Like that's the thing. That's the upside. But like you said, like there was a way that, that the Sixers were just going to get out from under like all of that. If I knew that about this deal, then great. Like then I would feel much. I
0: would imagine it has to be the same, but you're basically only getting out from under if his career is over. And my, my point was though, is do you even, does it matter how much money you're paying him? If whether you're saving that? Yes. Financially. Sure. Like, I get it. But if you have Zion Williamson as a max number, that's not contributing or is less than less than a max player. If you just removed him from the books and then removed his money, you're in the same spot functionally.
1: See, I feel differently because I think what the Pelicans started to do last year suggests that, like, you know, bring that team back. It say Zion doesn't play. I'm still looking at them as like they might be a top 60. Like they, I'd give them nearly as good a shot as Memphis to to like be in the mix for one of the you know. Five, six, seven, eight range of a playoff. Is game.
0: that are they trying to be the Kings though? Like, well, is, no, that's, that's not well, the first angle. of all,
1: that's <laughs> the Kings are trying to finish. Well, by the way, <laughs> if the Kings can't get in the play in this year, because there's there's like four other teams in the West that are, that are not going to try, and I have them as one of them. But it, it, we'll get to later. No, I think Zion is the piece that you add it to the roster they had last year, and it's like, well, shit, like this team is a threat to anybody. Like they could really their their ceiling is super high. So I think they're still. I think that makes it more dangerous because you're taking that ceiling down. They're still pretty good and you're like just regretting, I don't know, I'm talking to myself way way too far down I think. on the Zion deal. It's a small market team that locked up a number one pick that wasn't a lock to want to stay. So we should just I should shut up and just and Look, the other thing
0: is just my whole point is that yes, presumably if everything goes disastrous with Zion and you're still paying him, you're tearing it down whether you're paying him or not because of everything you just said that your ceiling yeah. is What is your, without Zion Williamson being 2020, 2021 Zion Williamson, what is your pathway to title contention? It's stripping it down and starting over.
1: Right. Yeah. You don't have it unless like, I don't, yeah, there, there is no, unless you don't have it. You don't have it. Ingram, Ingram's not the guy, even if he gets.
0: I'm going to put you for an A (laughs) plus, 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 plus. You have to leave
1: me as a B. I just can't, I can't get away from my Zion fears.
0: The final team. In the Southwest Division, the San Antonio Spurs. Notable moves include they traded DeJounte Murray and Jock Landale to the Hawks for Danilo Gallinari, who they waived. Charlotte's 2023 first. It's top 16 protected next year, then lottery protected the following two seasons before. Does that just extinguish or does it become two seconds? I should really look that up, but that's the protections on it. They also acquired Atlanta's 2025 first round pick unprotected. They have a swap rights with Atlanta in 26 unprotected. And then Atlanta's 2027 first round pick unprotected. They drafted Jeremy Sohan at number nine, drafted Malachi Branham at number 20, drafted Blake Wesley at number 25. They signed Keldon Johnson to a four year, $74 million extension. There's $1.5 million per year in unlikely incentives that could bring that up to a four year, $80 million deal. They claimed Isaiah Roby off waivers and they traded the number 38 pick, which was Kennedy Chandler, to the Grizzlies for the Lakers' 2024 second-round pick and $1 million in cash. Should I go in-depth on why I like that Kennedy Chandler trade? Because who knows what the Lakers look like in 2024? That could be a number 31 pick.
1: No, we uh, agree on that.
0: <laughs> the And then they're notable. Oh, they signed Dominic Barlow to a two-way contract and signed Jordan Hall to a two-way contract. Notable exits, aside from Murray, obviously. Lonnie Walker IV signed with the Lakers. Grant, what did you give the Spurs?
1: this is a flat a Um, I'm not given a pluses. This is as high as I go. Um, The only way I could imagine someone maybe, and maybe you'll prove me wrong thinking this is anything less than like an a minus is if you just really can't get over not having Lonnie Walker back for another year to like tantalize for a minute and then be bad for three weeks. Um, The Murray trade, like I get it. It sucks if you're a Spurs fan on some fronts, because like this is your best player he's coming off just a ridiculous season. Probably if you're only a fantasy player, you're like, how could they possibly? Treat him? <laughs> um, but to do it at the, at the right time, because they, it, the, the logic of an extension didn't make sense. So he was going to get to unrestricted free agency. And then you're facing, this is a, granted like this is down, down the road a little bit, two years, but you're talking about maxing him out. I like him a lot. I don't know if that would have made sense. So to get this hall of picks, awesome to get Keldon Johnson locked down to that number Especially like, I mean, with the cap going, even if the cap were staying flat, that's just like a f- absolute phenomenal, phenomenal signing, um, or phenomenal extension. Uh, with He's it going up, my clutch
0: sports too. I couldn't believe you joke. signed that deal. I,
1: I, it's a joke. I, I, I just don't understand how you were able to keep him for so little. And like, the biggest big picture thing, I like, I like Sohan a lot. The big picture thing is now, like, you're in the Victor Wimbenyama pole position, or you have the ability the pole to pole position. Like, that is, like, you have, you are in position to suck worse than any other team. Or at least you're in the mix. You can, be they gotta be one of those bottom three teams, I think, or bottom four. Um, And, like, that's just how you flip this around. So, and credit to the Spurs, because the Spurs historically have not done this. Like, and the last time they really did it, it yielded Tim Duncan. And it required some luck, but, like, that's, this, this is the time to do it. I'm glad they finally did it. Um, It hurts to lose Murray, but, like. This, like, macro, micro, micro, uh, any way you want to look at this, I think they just did the right stuff.
0: Yeah, they got an A for me, too. I don't know what you would dislike about their offseason, like I said, unless you think they've taken someone else at 20 and 25 or even at number 9. I really like the Jeremy Sowan pick. Uh, I do think it looks a little bit worse now that Chip Anglin's not there anymore. I was counting on him to help with the jump shot, but just as someone who's a ball mover, connective tissue on offense, and can defend a whole bunch of different spots on defense. I love the theory of him. Uh, and I. there's just even, let's say the Hawks, it works out for Atlanta. And it might, because DeJounte Murray and Trey Young well, and Capella right. and John Collins and Deion, that's a shit ton of talent. Mm-hmm. But you have all those pick commitments scaling past DeJounte Murray's current contract. Yeah. That is big. And the other thing is just like, they will be valuable in subsequent trades just as a concept before they even convey. And I think the bigger value here is you clarified your direction. And you're yep. not in that sub-middle, middle part of the the NBA anymore. And to me, I understand that teams are run as a business, and that it's not championship or bust for everybody. But but if I'm a fan, this is how I would root for teams. It's how I do root for my teams. That is my goal. I don't care what market I'm in. Like I want to see them building towards something. And this is why, as a Knicks fan, as a beleaguered Knicks fan, I would rather see them take the long not circuitous path, but like a long semi-direct route where it's like, oh, they're trying to build something. The Spurs are now clearly doing that. And even if you don't think that their next pole star is on this team, and let's be honest, of Devin Vassell, Kelvin Johnson, Jeremy Sowen, or Josh Primo are probably the top candidates for that, their best chance at acquiring a pole star is probably in the future with one of their yeah. draft picks. That's fine because now your draft stock is going to be high enough that you're in the – cornerstone territory and you're not constantly relying on these mid to late lottery picks or just mid to late first rounders in general. And the other thing here is just like, maybe you feel differently if uh, DeJounte Murray was willing to sign an extension, but he wasn't because you had him on a steal of a deal in the first place that 120% raise in advance of what his max salary would have been. There was no chance he was going to sign a deal. And then you get yourself, you have to start thinking, oh, well, if we're going to pay him all this money, you're kind of capping your ceiling. If you weren't able to find that actual, the like you, what you needed was Dejounte Murray's functional superior, not even his equal. I think when you get into a conversation about the wizards with Beal, or maybe even the bulls with Zach Levine, you're not necessarily looking or whatever team lines up with Donovan Mitchell. You're not necessarily looking for a player better, better than any of them. You want their equal in the Spurs case with Dejounte Murray, they needed someone who was better yep. than him to really chart that championship course. And so I like everything, that they did here. And look, they have not played uh, all the arrows in their quiver just yet. They could be a sneaky Russell Westbrook destination. If they have cap space, they have Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott. If you're the Lakers, look about how much money you save. Would you give up two first round picks for that type of a deal? And you're still conserving your cap space for 2023 uh, for the most part, even though Doug McDermott would be on the books. But I like that the Spurs finally chose a direction. I think the one thing you could look at and say, well, it really feels like this is going to be Greg Popovich's last year. Now we know he's not going to be fielding a competitive team. There's like some uh, you know, regret there. At the same time, he appears reinvigorated by okay. coaching coaches. He seems to be loving it. And two, unless you were going to go all in for Mitchell or be the team that went after Durant, you weren't going to have this team that was worthy of Greg Popovich's last year necessarily.
1: No. And it's his decision, right? Like he, you know, he must have signed off on all this and that, and that's fine. The other thing is too, like the goal, the goal. And I think the way they've set themselves up is to be bad. Right. But I think like you've still got just not that this is necessarily a factor in the grade. It's just something I would be concerned about if my team did this. I'm still going to watch because I I really want to see what Josh Primo does with a chance to kind of explore the space. I want to see if Keldon Johnson takes another step. I want to see if Vassell looks like a real three and D like this is going to be a guy, you know, on the next really great Spurs team. There's so many good, so many, is, what, how, what kind of a defender is Sohan going to be against NBA players? Like, is he going to be as good as ever? Is he another piece that's going to be there? when when Benyama is your number one guy and you've you've got all these guys around him is he gonna so like there's tons of reasons to stay invested which is like almost never the case in a rebuild that's as thorough as this one looks like it's gonna be or it looks like it already sort of is because they just they see, like they're they're set now like they even if they don't do anything with all that cap space which i assume they will like this is a solid if we started grading like foundations or like paths forward or like five years away power rankings or asset pools like the Spurs are right there. They're this is this is a sweet position to be in. So um even one of the worst aspects of this situation, which is normally like an unwatchable product, is not is just not at play right now. So yeah, that that, that I think it's an A and like I would love to hear the case for less than an A if if somebody had one.
0: Maybe like an A minus because oh they didn't trade Jakob Pertle or something, (laughs) uh, but like they could still do that and probably will, Although maybe he ends up being really cheap and they just keep him. But I'm, I'm enamored with where they go from here. And I think to your point, they're going to be fun to watch. They were last year. They had the fastest average offensive possession time in the league. I will say it wasn't always pretty, but Mm -hmm. like they're kind of built to play with more speed. Now I don't think DeJounte Murray slowed them down by any stretch, but they're like complete anarchy when you look at their pecking order. Like it's Josh Primo. They threw they gave more ball screens to Devin Vassell after the Derek White trade. They really might try and plumb him as a half court creator now. Jeremy Sowen, I'm assuming he gets a lot of the playing time. And he also, I ex- I think Malachi Branham should wind up getting more playing time than Blake Wesley. I don't know between them, but Malachi Branham's like sort of that swing prospect where everything mm. could go wrong and he'll look awful. But that's someone who could probably put up points and tough shots in a hurry. I'm yeah. I'm just fascinated by by what they're doing now. And I think it was, I think it was probably the overdue call to make, but yeah. they made it and it's important that they did.
1: And maybe it's timed right. Cause maybe women really is. That is what is as advertised. And maybe this is the year to take your shot. The last thing is I think too, with, with Murray, like he was good enough to where you did have to make considerations about the pieces you put around him because of his shooting limitations. And just like, he's a different, he's an unusual an uncommon player like a primary ball handler that's still just the suspect shooter off the catch and off the bounce, especially, but he's an all-star. So to, to sort of clean the slate by saying like we are no longer having to consider, well, do all of these other positions have enough shooting to compensate for uh, our primary ball handler being sketchy in that area? Like now you're just best player available all the time. Like, that's just, you can just get away with that. So I, I also like that freedom.
0: Grant, this was great. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you if they're not watching and can't see your, your handle or haven't already seen
1: your work? Yeah, work on your reading comprehension, guys, <laughs> if, if you can. Uh, it's GT underscore Hughes on Twitter, and uh, we'll be doing, uh, I don't know what order you're going to release these in, but we'll be doing a few more of these and uh, keep it going. Um, Hardwood Knox uh, throughout the offseason.
0: Grant, thank you so much. As always, if no one has rated, reviewed, or subscribed to us and their podcast players or subscribed on YouTube, please hurry up, go do that immediately. Until next time, and as always, Grant and I leave you with a shout-out to one, the only, the real cornerstone in Dallas, Frank Nielke.